three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Ladies, gentlemen, theys, and gays, this is The Real Pineapple. This is your humble host, Hunter, here. I've got a breakdown for the upcoming uh, start of Phase 5 for Marvel Studios in Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, Mania. They just released their first trailer. I'm really excited to talk about this because there is a, for me, a shocking amount that could be going on in this. Obviously, it's a teaser trailer or the official trailer. But we'll pro- we'll get one more trailer before this comes out. What's kind of crazy just from Jump is we are less than four months away from this coming out. This comes out in February, uh, February 17th, uh, 2023. So we're already under four months. And you know what? Awesome. I actually wish... Look, I, you know, I, of course, you know, I love me some Marvel Studios. And I just love comic book shit in general. But... I, I love what Marvel's put out. I really, for the most part, enjoy like 90% of what they put out. I, I think they rarely, rarely miss. But one thing I really do wish they would do is less trailers. Give me an official trailer. Give me maybe a second trailer. And just leave it at that. You, you've already got my money. You, you know, you've got my time. You don't need to put out, you know eight trailers and like five tv spots like you can hold some cards closer to the the vest you don't need to show me everything for the most part this trailer really doesn't show you a lot which i really dig obviously we'll get one more trailer before the film goes out at least one more trailer yeah let's kind of go ahead and jump into this so i'm gonna go through just some uh some of the things i notice i'm gonna jump all over uh, all around on this trailer so i apologize in advance but the big thing i want to just point out is jonathan majors king the conqueror at the uh, minute at the minute 36 mark we get this really cool tease of how he looks and he, you can see the way that the the universe is literally beaming down on him it's a very it's very classic king the conqueror and jonathan majors I know the internet is still thirsting over uh, those men's health photos, but it's it's crazy that you look at Jonathan Majors from Love, you know, from uh, from Lovecraft, and he goes from that show to Creed Three, which is coming out next year, to Ant Man the Wasp. And actually, now I think about it, I think yeah, Creed is in March, and this is in February, so we're gonna we're gonna be seeing a lot of Jonathan Majors to start off twenty twenty three, which. Hooray! Uh, Jonathan Majors is a shit. He's one of the best actors we have in the game right now. And he really... One thing I've talked about on the show quite often is... And, and I'm and I i going to dog on Ezra Miller here because Ezra Miller's been terrible. I wish that these people who took on these roles understood what they meant to people before they did it. Which is one of the reasons why the Ezra Miller shit pisses me off so bad. Is because you're going to have... Literally millions of people, you know, watching your performance, watching your portrayal and go, oh, my God, and be so enamored and be so happy that you're bringing one of the characters that they love or hate. You're going to go ahead and be responsible for bringing them 
to life. You know, if you look at some of the interviews Charlie Cox has had, you know, he's talked about the fact that he understands that it is a responsibility and how grateful he is for the fans. And I really just wish everyone, whether, you know, it's a Marvel property, DC property, independent comic property, whatever. I really wish people would kind of take that way more into way more into heart or way more to heart before they went ahead and just took on these roles that they may not even want to take on. So I'm really happy that Jonathan Majors is king. It's fascinating how the uh, the the purple uh, the purple and uh, green costume, the very comic accurate costume, looks on Majors at the at the 206 mark. So here's where Kang is going to be very interesting to me. We obviously know Kang is bad. It's just a matter of when that shoe is going to drop. Since this kicks off phase five, you can, in even looking at Kang at the 206 mark, you see the scars on its face. This is clearly Kang the Conqueror. This is, this isn't he who remains. This is, you know, the Kang that was out uh, conquering, destroying, killing. And that brings me to Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, gorgeous Michelle Pfeiffer, who again is uh, playing uh, Janet. And what I love about her, just in the few bits we get of her, she's scared. She's legit scared to go back to Quantum Realm. Now, obviously, A, she was stuck down in Quantum Realm for, what, 30 years? I wouldn't want to go back down there either. But two, it does have a very much of the uh, you know, sins of the mother type thing of, oh God, what did you do? You know, she even talks about the fact that, you know, she didn't tell uh, her family everything. And so because we already know that time works differently in the quantum realm, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but Ant-Man talks about the fact in Endgame, how he was down there in the quantum realm. And it was, you know, the equivalent of like a couple days time in, in our world versus, you know, years in the quantum realm. So I'm wondering and it does make you wonder how much crap did Janet get into? Uh, is that why it looks like she potentially has chemistry with Bill Murray's character, which there are some rumors on who he's playing, but I'm going to be real. I don't, I don't think the rumors are correct. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious who he's playing, but I feel like Bill Murray's here because him and hope or him and uh, Janet, pardon me, had some, you know, had a fling at some point that will definitely lead to some jealousy from Hank of course, played by Michael Douglas again. I'm curious how that'll play out. But this movie, it really seems like we're going to kind of get the San Francisco stuff out of the way kind of early. I I think we'll be in the quantum realm before the 30-minute mark of the film. I think for the most part, we're going to be in the quantum realm for the rest of the film. I think this will be the longest Ant-Man film. I would venture this will be around... I'm going to say it's going to be around two and a half hours. I think with introducing Kang and uh, Modoc is going to be in this, which I will get to Modoc in a second. But between Kang and Modoc al- uh, alone, I think a two and a half hour movie is way more plausible than not. And can we just take a second to appreciate Paul Rudd? I mean, it's it's crazy to me to think that we're about to mean 2023. We've gotten three Ant-Man films. We haven't gotten three Superman films in like since Man of Steel was at 07. If if you if you could go back in time to 2006 and go, I would bet you that you know put a bet down and go. I guarantee you that Ant Man will be a trilogy before Superman. No one would believe you. That's one of those bets that would be like a 
Oh God, I can't think of what the odds on that would be. But no one would have called this. I did. I wouldn't have called this. You know, you think about Man of Steel when that came out, and no one thought Ant-Man would be as great as it was. I think Ant-Man is a great movie. I even think Ant-Man the Wasp, as Saturday morning cartoonish as it is, and I don't mean that as a detriment. It's very much a cartoon. I think it's a, such a fun movie, but it's crazy to think we're about to get our third fucking Ant-Man film. So we're getting an Ant-Man trilogy. It's... It's wild. It, it really is wild to me to think that we're getting an Ant-Man trilogy. But yeah, let's take a second to give some props to Paul Rudd because, I, and I talked about it during our review of Endgame, which, you know, you can of course listen to, but I was really impressed with Paul Rudd because for the first hour, he's the person who's on screen the most and he has to carry so much of the emotional weight and yet fill in the audience on what's going on as far as the quantum realm and everything. And Paul Rudd's juggling a lot of balls, phrasing, <laughs> when in that first hour, he does such a great job of holding holding the film together, really, because he's, you know, he's, he's the exposition machine, but then we're also supposed to be emotionally invested in his journey after losing Cassie at the point. So I just, I love Paul Rudd. I think his Scott Lang is probably the most underrated main star in the MCU. I, I, I think he's been... Just absolutely incredible. And when you think about how, you know, uh, not uh, not Chris says, but Captain America, uh, Steve Rogers is no longer active. Iron Man's dead. Uh, Thor is off world. Uh, no one, uh, the world doesn't know about the Guardians of the Galaxy, at least to the extent of like the Avengers. So there's really, there's not even an Avengers team active right now. So Scott you know, almost by default would be the most approachable Avenger. And so seeing Scott, you know, feeling himself a little bit, admittedly, uh, it's great to see the employee of the century, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the employee of the century plaque at the eight second mark at Baskin Robbins. I, I love so much how Baskin Robbins feels like the mafia in the first Ant-Man. I just think that's the funniest thing. And they bring back his old manager who fired him. I, I love that. I love that so much. If you notice at the eight second mark, the new design on the Ant-Man costume, I, f I fucking dig. It's got not like an arc reactor, because you know if they're in the center of the chest, it's, it's circular and like kind of indented. But I'm wondering if that's going to be kind of similar to the nanotech that Stark was using so that you can actually put on the suit at any time as opposed to actually you know, having to be wearing the suit. Maybe it is nanotech where it's a part of Scott. He just has to, you know, hit the button on his chest, boom, he's Ant-Man, uh, or hits it again, boom, he's back in civilian clothes. It it feels more sleek, or it looks more sleek, so I'm wondering what sort of advancements are going to go ahead and come with the suit. But Scott being a celebrity makes a ton of sense because, as we learned from Miss Marvel, uh, episode one with the opening sequence, Scott started his own podcast called Big Me, Little Me, a Scott Lang interview, which is fucking wonderful. And I would definitely listen to a Scott Lang podcast, but that makes sense about why the world at large and, you know, the general public knows about Thanos, knows about the snap, knows about the Avengers. And that that's a very clever way to go ahead and actually just distribute all that information so it is common knowledge. Uh, common knowledge. I am curious what Scott does say on the podcast. In the pardon me, in the Comic Con trailer, it was revealed that 
Scott also wrote a book. So I'm very curious what's in the book, what's not in the book. I hope we get a little clarification on that. But regardless, a very clever way to go ahead and explain why that uh, why that is at least common knowledge about uh, some of the things about the snap and everything. One thing I've always given Marvel extreme props for is being able to pick just the perfect fucking songs to use for their trailers. When I think about the first trailer for Moon Knight using uh, Kid Cudi's Day and Night, which is still one of the best trailers that Marvel's done, and I really dug Moon Knight. Not perfect, but I, I dig, dig on it. And then when you get to something like Miss Marvel and using The weekend's Blinding Lights, that went perfectly. Just the music choices are always great on, on when it comes to the Marvel trailers. And using Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by, of course, Sir Elton John, it, the trailer does a very good job of giving you the whole, well, Scott's getting a little too big for his britches storyline because you know he's out walking red carpets we see him and hope looking like like she's about to go ahead and accept an award so you know he's black tie he's he's hollywood basically he's hollywood scott lang and the fact that it looks like the quantum realm and kang are here to here to humble his and ass it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really fascinating but when i think about that song and how you know it's about getting back to your roots i do wonder where Scott ends up in this movie because obviously Cassie we see later on in the film or in the, uh, the trailer does get uh, her uh, herself a suit looks like they're gonna go ahead and go with the stinger uh, persona of uh, Cassie which uh, obviously is a superhero in our own right but looks like uh, just based on the purple color scheme very comic accurate if you do a quick google of that so I'm wondering how important Cassie's going to be, because later on in the trailer, we hear Kang go, I can get you home and I can get you more time. That's that line. That last bit is what has me kind of uh, kind of intrigued, because my theory is I think Kang is going to kidnap Cassie. I think Cassie's going to end up being the key or one of the key components to Kang's plan. Maybe similar, think perhaps Rogue in the original X-Men and how important she was to Magneto as far as uh, powering that whole machine. Maybe we get something similar here. But Cassie, I think Cassie is going to be a very important piece. And maybe Kang just kidnaps her straight up and says, you know, pulls a, almost an Aladdin where, you know, her time is literally running out and you need to go ahead and get this thing for me. So the thing in question, I think that Kang is going to ask Scott to get. My theory is, I think it's going to be the timeshare. So, if in case you're not a, a comic nerd, very short summary: the timeshare is created by Kang, and it basically just allows him to travel throughout time and space. Um, it's also got like a like a crazy ass force shield and has uh, laser defense weapons. It's kind of intense, but I feel like that's what. Or maybe it's the components. Maybe it's not even the chair itself. Maybe it's the components to build the chair. Because we do see later on in the trailer that King is putting at the uh, minute 25 mark. We see King is like building this sort of machine. And it looks like the ball he's dropping into the machine is quantum energy. And if you look at the sides of the machine, the way the panels look, it looks very similar to the panel machine that Ghost, uh, that ghost and... Uh, Oh my gosh, uh, Goliath! Why am I blanking on the freaking uh, on the freaking guy's name? Bill Foster. That's it. God damn it! That was gonna bother me. Yeah, Bill Foster. <laughs> but 
Yeah, the, you've noticed the panels look very similar to the machine that Ghost and Bill Foster had built for Ghost. So I'm wondering if he just straight up steals Pym's tech. So I, I'm very curious on how that machine in particular is going to come into play. But you see there in the shot that is Kane using the machine because he's got the traditional comic book suit on with the green and the purple, which looks great, by the way. So one of the big things that no one is pointing out, and I want to point this out because I think this is going to be really important. So uh, Chronopolis, which is Kang's city that he essentially builds because he's fucking powerful. That's what we see at a point in the trailer. It's that very dome-looking area. I'm trying to find a, a timestamp on it here, but uh, let me get there real quick. Okay, here we go. So like at the minute 29 mark you see those rings the way that like opens up almost like a watch the way if you look real close at the rings they're glowing blue but blue is the same color of the rings uh of the uh gauntlet used in miss marvel that kamala khan's using and then it's also the same color as the rings that shang chi is using so if you remember in shang chi they actually say that they're not sure where the rings come from or where the power of the rings comes from that's that's talked about in the mid credit scene where him and uh aquafina's character kate i believe where they go ahead and they are talking with bruce banner and uh, carol danvers and wong so i'm wondering do the rings come from here do they come from the quantum realm because that would make a ton of fucking sense considering i think the quantum realm is going to be one of the most important things in all of phase five you know, and phase six leading up to Secret Wars. Uh, so I feel like that's going to be the origin of the ring. So we might get some clarification on that as well. I think I might have mentioned it earlier, but I think about 25 minutes of the film is going to take place in San Francisco. And then I think the rest of it's going to be pretty much exclusively in the quantum realm. One thing that I'm wondering is we see King's army at a point. We see all those like blue beings and... I feel like he's writing for a war on the on time itself. And so what's going to be interesting, because I haven't really seen anyone else bring this up. If you remember at the end of Loki, which I still I still need to review Loki. I'll probably review that right before Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania comes out, because I, I have a feeling we'll learn more before the movie comes out. And that would actually be very apropos to rewatch that. But I'm wondering, is the TVA located in Chronopolis because that would actually kind of make sense considering they're the really the beacon or the haven of like all the timelines and more specifically the sacred timeline so that would make sense the other thing that I'm wondering is Miss Minutes who is voiced by the lovely Tara Strong we know that she in talking to oh my god uh Ravana in uh, in the show we know that she said that, you know, oh, he has a plan or and gave her like this book, it looked like, with, you know, a lot of important prominent shit in there. I'm wondering, was Miss Minutes, because she was clearly working for He Who Remains, was she working for this version of the King of the Conqueror as well? Was He Who Remains, did he kind of send, almost send this book back to himself to give King the Conqueror more knowledge. I'm wondering if they're going to go ahead and tie the TVA thing in. And considering Loki season two is rumored to come out next summer, and this is coming out in February, timeline wise, that would fit and that would track. 
So keep an eye out for Miss Minutes. I, I, I think there's going to be more TVA crossover in this movie than maybe we were thinking. So uh, three more quick things I'm going to point out. So one, in particular, if you notice at the, I'm trying to find the timestamp of it, but there's this point where Hope looks like she is going into this cavern and there's marks, uh, there are markings on the wall and it looks very celestial. It looks like it looks straight. Uh, the hieroglyphics look straight out of Eternals. And so I'm wondering, do we get, I mean, how are they going to connect Eternals? Because, you know, we, they did talk about the fact their Eternals would be back. And I mean, them showing up in the quantum realm or them having ties to the quantum realm, considering their godlike power would make a ton, a ton of sense. It's the uh, minute 41 mark, by the way. But yeah, if you look down the left hand side, those hieroglyphics, those look straight. Um, those look straight out of Eternals. So I'm wondering if there's going to be a connection there as well. We do already know from leaked promo footage that we are getting Modok in here. And Modok looks very different than his comic accurate depiction of him. And so what I'm wondering there is, is that uh, Corey Stoles? Is that, is that Darren Cross? Is that his machine? So you remember at the end of Ant-Man, his machine broke down and he got transported into the quantum realm, but the machine was like breaking, it was distorting like his his arm and all that. Does he is he Modok? Is he our Modok? I mean, that would make sense given the way that the new design of Modok looks like and why it's not comic accurate. And we've already determined the fact that there are multiple variants of some of our favorite characters. And so why not have it be him be a MODOK variant? That would make a ton of sense. And considering how Scott kicked his ass, that would give him all the reason in the world to go ahead and try to keep him in the quantum realm or even kill him in the quantum realm. The movie or the the the, the, the teaser here is definitely teasing a conflict between Scott and Cassie. And when I say conflict, I mean, it feels like Scott is being so swept up in the fame of really being the last you know, Avenger. And the fact that that's something that happened with Hank when it comes to Hope, as far as him being so uh, so possessed with trying to find a way to get Janet back home that he neglected his daughter. Does Scott fall into that Hank Pym trap? Is, do we get that parallel of Scott being so overcome with fame and, you know, the bright lights that he forgets why he's Ant-Man in the first place? That's that is a story in an arc that you could tell very easily. And that's something that I know Paul Rudd is a great enough actor to go ahead and pull off. You notice in the back half of the trailer, there's really not a ton of fun. And when I mean ton of fun, there's not a lot of jokes. There's not a lot of giggling. It does feel like this is going to be more serious. And honestly, considering what Kang is and the sort of threat that Kang poses... The film's game more serious makes a ton of sense. So, yeah, I'm very curious how Scott's journey is going to kind of wrap up here, uh, potentially wrap up. And the last thing I want to point out, just because I love how uh, how the shot is done, at the minute 51 mark, you'll see Paul Rudd running, but you notice that there's like a version of Ant-Man in front of him that looks like it's dissolved and torn apart, similar to the way Reed Richards was by uh, Scarlet Witch in Multiverse of Madness. And then if you pause there at the minute 52 mark, you see Paul Rudd, Scott Lang, but then you count one, two, 
three, four, five, six, maybe six other Ant-Men. So maybe we get to see young Hank Pym right here. Maybe we get to, I'm very curious. We could get multiple variants of Scott Lang right here. And the fact that it's under a red light, if you look at the top of the, uh, at the top of the uh, bottom, uh, top right of the screen, pardon me, you'll notice kind of the way that opening looks it looks similar enough to kang's machine uh earlier on the trailer the the quantum machine that he was powering so maybe scott shrinks down uh as small as he can to go ahead and try to disrupt the machine uh disrupt the machine last thing i'll point out the minute 56 mark is our best shot of comic accurate king the conqueror and i love how this fucking looks it looks haunting it looks grim it looks gothic jonathan major is going to kill this role I i'm so excited to see what jonathan majors is going to do with this fucking role uh just seeing interviews with him he really does seem ready to show the world what he's going to go ahead and bring to this role and considering we get king for multiple movies i'm i'm so excited i cannot wait and then actually okay last thing i'll point out i promise so the fact the trailer ends by king going so what's it going to be pause Ant-Man. I love that because it feels like he's feeding into Scott's ego right here because one of the first jokes we get is, you know, someone calling Ant-Man Spider-Man, which, you know, <laughs> that is funny. But considering what Scott did in Endgame, you know, I'm sure he's like, why the fuck can't you guys get my name right? <laughs> so Kane kind of leaned to Scott's ego there by, you know, really leaning to the whole I need your help aspect. It's going to be very fun to see how Kang potentially manipulates Scott, manipulates the rest of the Ant family. Um, Jonathan Majors, like I said, Kang is Kang is a hell of a villain he is no one to fuck with. And what Majors is going to bring the role, I cannot wait to see it. So, yeah, February 17th, 2023. Let's fucking go. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. I'm excited to see what this movie does, how it kicks off Phase 5 and what we're going to have uh, forward to look to. But everyone, what did you think of the trailer? What things did you notice? Uh, let us know in the comments. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter at jhunterrealpineapple. You can follow, uh, pardon me, like both of our pages on Facebook at The Real Pineapple and Real Pineapple Games. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, rate, comment. It definitely helps the podcast out. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, TuneUp, and Samsung Podcasts at The Real Pineapple. You can follow yours truly on Letterboxd at Black Shazam. You can follow me on TikTok at Black Shazam775. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We're going to have reviews up here uh, to, over the next week to wrap up the real spooky series um i've been i've been behind on uploading those but you're gonna get hit with uh, a new review every day for the rest of the weeks uh so that's gonna include x black phone uh scream uh scream 2 and then a few other scary movies so i'm, I'm real excited to get those out to y'all but everyone thank you so much for listening stay safe out there take care of each other and we'll talk to you soon